Today, uh, we're standing here looking a new year in the face, a new year full of all kinds of possibilities. For some of you, that's going to mean uh, a new job. For others, a new child. Some of you, uh, you're going to graduate and start a career, and some of you are going to retire. Like it, there's all kinds of stuff that's coming our way. There's all kinds of unforeseen things coming our way. Some of them will thrill your heart. You're, you're going to be ecstatic about what happens. A few of us are going to have our hearts broken. We don't know what it is yet. But the new year brings all of these possibilities, all of these opportunities to dream about. And it, it is why um, all of these possibilities exist, that there's been a, a kind of a habit that people have gotten into over the years uh, called New Year's resolutions. Uh, it was first mentioned in 1813 in the newspaper, so people assume that it's been around a little while before it made the newspaper. Uh, although today, that practice of setting, talking, thinking about New Year's resolutions is on the decline. Only 38% of the U.S. population is going to even give that any thought this year. And uh, I think... That's a little bit of a loss because I think there's some value in the process. There's some value in the process of looking at not just where you're going, but what type of person are you becoming? And stopping to evaluate, is that really what I want? Is that who I want to become? Is this where I want to go? I understand why this is hard. We live in an attention economy right now where people are making a lot of money over their ability to capture your attention and to hold it as long as possible. And so it's not, it's not easy to break away from this stuff and to find moments to reflect. And that's why I love New Year's being one of those triggers where it's, it's coming, you have all of this possibility ahead of you. It could be an opportunity where you could just stop Think, reflect, and plan ahead. Now, um, I understand there's a lot of popular things. I don't think there's anything wrong with those popular things. So people make New Year's resolutions about their health, a lot about weight, a lot about finances. Fine. That's all good. I think that's great. Uh, what I'm wondering if you would consider is if, if the, is there any character in your life that you think, I really think that's valuable. And it's not showing up enough, and I want to elevate that. I want to find a way to grow into that more, and I want to be that kind of person a little bit more. Is there anything in your life you're like, man, I keep making these choices, and it, it puts me at these dead-end moments in my life, and I keep doing it. Maybe I could find a way to decrease the amount of time I spent on that. Maybe I could do that. But people don't even want to look at those kind of things. And the reason they don't is because 90% of the goals that people set at New Year's fail. They fail. And so that's why the, low, the number is so low. People have looked at it and said, what's the point? 
Why should I even go through the practice of setting a goal if I know it's just going to end in failure anyway? Well, um, maybe you could evaluate why it's ending in failure, and if we could address that, maybe we could do okay. I think one of the reasons, this is just one of them, is I think people make incredible goals with no plans whatsoever to fulfill that goal. Like, there's no steps, there's no manageable things that they could do. If you want help with this, you should go find a book called Atomic Habits. It's about small little changes that you could make in your life that result in big changes for your life. The ability to start habits. Let me give you an example in the book. It says sometimes people already have a really good habit in place. And you want to start another habit. He said, why don't you habit stack? Use the habit that you have as a trigger to remember to do the one that you want to do. Do them both together and use your one good habit to pull along another habit that you want. It's a really easy way to do that kind of thing. I think it's brilliant, and he's got a lot of different stuff like that in the book that could help you. So if you make these big audacious plans and they fail all the time, and you need help figuring out steps, go grab that book and do that. But here's the thing. I, I'm convinced that even if you did those things, there's a second reason that we see a 90% failure rate and we see the vast majority of people not even wanting to set any goals. Why do that? And it's a belief that people carry with them, and it's this belief. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to do something new. I'm too busy to change something. I'm too busy to even consider doing anything out of the ordinary that I'm currently doing. I'm barely getting by with my life right now. And um, today, I want to challenge that because I'm not convinced anymore. I... Um, I saw this, well, actually, I didn't see this. I cannot remember who I stole this from. I, I'm, I remember them talking about it, and I was thinking at the time, this should be an illustration, and my mind got stuck on the illustration, and I've been planning this for months, and so I forgot um, who I heard talking about it. But on this table right here, you're looking at 168 dice. This represents one hour for every hour in the week of your life. There's 168 hours per week. And you get those as a gift from God. In fact, um, I would tell you, most of life isn't fair. It's not. You don't have the same skills and talents as other people. You don't have the same upbringing. You don't have the same attitudes and aptitudes as other people. You don't need to have the same needs. Some of you need a lot of sleep. Some of you don't need as much. Life isn't fair. But you want to know one place where it is? You get 168 hours every week. And so does the person sitting next to you. It's as far as fair goes. Because how you choose to use those hours matters. And some of you will use 168 hours a week, and you'll touch many lives. You'll do some incredible things. 
Some of you, you'll do okay. And your outcomes will be average. And if that's not a bad thing, it's going to be fine. And others of you will not take this seriously. And you'll underperform. And you will have had an opportunity to make an impact with your life. And it won't happen. And part of the reason that doesn't happen is because we tell ourselves we're just too busy. We're too busy to do anything different than what we're currently doing, which raises the question, how are you using your time? What, what are you doing with the hours that God gives you? I think one of the things that um, I've wrestled with is I've realized that those 168 hours are a gift from the hand of God and they're not guaranteed. I might not get them all this week. But if I do, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to use them? Some of you um, have concluded that your time isn't really your time that you have other people who are picking away at your life. You have a boss who's demanding. You're on call all the time. You'd like to say that you have time for things, but they're so demanding and you don't know what to do. Some of you feel that way about kids. I don't have time. Kids eat up all of my time, all of my life. For some of you, the reason you don't feel like it's your time to manage is because of outside expectations that come into your life. Maybe they're even yours where you're a people pleaser and you're running in circles trying to make everybody happy and you don't feel like there's any time in your week for important things. But we're going to go through a little exercise that helps you understand just this bottom line idea. Here it is. You're responsible for that time. You and I will stand before God someday and answer for how we use those hours. And I want to tell you, the writers of the scriptures, they took this very seriously. Let me show you. So this is in Psalm chapter 90, and believe it or not, written by Moses. Yeah, he wrote a psalm. It's actually quite, pretty interesting. But I just want to look at one verse, verse 12. Moses writes, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I want, I want to pay attention to the days that I have. I, I want to track them, number them, catalog them. Why? Because I want to be wise with them. I love how he starts it. Teach us. This isn't something you have to have right out of the chute. This is something you can learn and progress with as you go. But sometimes this idea of I'm too busy doesn't even cause us to learn. Like we, we don't pay attention to how we're using our time, so we don't act with wisdom with what God chooses to give us. Moses isn't the only one. David, Psalm 39, verse 4 says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. I want to know the number of my days. These are important to me. And he says this, Let me know how fleeting my life is. Like, these are so valuable. These go by so quickly. Um, for some people, that's hard to even imagine. When, when you're younger, 
You feel like um, anytime you're bored, it's going to kill you. And when you get older, you feel like you could kill just to be bored, right? You're like, I'd, I'd like some time where I'm just, nothing's going on and my mind could rest. Why? What's happening there? Because life goes by fast. And David knew it. And so he's asking God, hey, help me figure out how to number these things because this is flying by and I want to make it count. Now I'm thinking if David and Moses felt that way, maybe it would benefit us to just stop and ask God to meet us right here, right now. So would you pray with me for real quick? God, I ask that you would help us number our days. There's only so many. They're a gift from your hand. And sometimes they slip by so fast because of the way we think about them, treat them. Sometimes they slip by fast because our culture is calling our attention and we give it away. But God, um, these writers wanted wisdom. They wanted to be able to look at their days Take the number of them seriously and act with wisdom. So will you meet us? Help us to think wisely about our stories so that we can understand how to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not just um, the Old Testament writers who had some stuff to say about this. I want to show you what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, again, about time. This is uh, Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. There we are again, elevating this idea that I want to use this thing that God has given me wisely. Then he says this in verse 16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He goes on to say, I just need to understand what God's will is for my life so that I can make the opportunities like land. What kind of opportunities? What kind of opportunities can God give you? Opportunities to love. Opportunities to show love to other people. Your opportunity to work. For some of us, we go to work and we treat it like it's just a paycheck when God had more in mind for you when you would go to work, that there would be something meaningful that you could do in the world. For some of us, it's serving. For some of us, it's honoring God. All kinds of opportunities. And yet, for many of us, if we were honest, we would say we're kind of a victim of time. It just gets taken from us over and over. There's nothing we can do about it. And we miss out on the opportunities that God has for us. So I think that happens because we really do believe we're too busy. So I want to show you something. Um, I did this, and I was, I was surprised. And, and I'll just tell you this. I'm going to do a general thing. If you want to make it personal and you want to go and practice this, like sit down and do this a little practice with yourself, you're going to find the same thing over and over, okay? Here's 168 hours in a week. There are certain things that you and I have to do, 
this week. Can't get away from that, all right? One of those is sleep. Now, in 1948, people slept an average of 7.9 hours. That was normal. Today, the average is 6.8 hours. Now, I'm not sure that's the best way to get a leg up. I think we were designed by God to have sleep. And if, if you look at all the research right now, the research says the average person needs seven to nine hours of sleep. So the average American doesn't get the kind of sleep that we were designed for. But let's say eight. Let's give you eight hours of sleep a night. If you took eight hours of sleep a night, this many hours would be gone. Okay, not bad. Uh, some of you, I guess most of us, need time to get ready in the morning, right? What, 20 minutes or so? Some of you are like, 20 minutes? Are you insane? I need, and I just want to just stop, just stop for a second. You don't need, you use, and it's not wrong that you would. It's not wrong that you would, but you're making a value call to say, I'm going to use this amount of time to make myself look fantastic, right? But I'm going to say, okay, let's, let's, worst case scenario, we're going to give you an hour, and that's going to include bathroom breaks and everything else. And if you're sitting there going, Blair, I use the bathroom over an hour every day, then I would say, see a doctor right now. Something's wrong with you, all right? It's not right. But let's say seven hours for maintenance. Like, you have to, you have to go to the bathroom. You have to get yourself dialed up. You have to brush your teeth, all of that. Seven hours, gone, Okay. Still looking at um, quite a bit here. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about, you're not going to like, but I've done my research. We're going to talk about work. Did you know the average American works less than 38 hours a week? Oh, I heard a scoff. Now, some of you are like, yeah, but that's not salary people. The average salaried person works 47 hours a week. 18% um, of people work 60 hours or more. It's a small minority. And here's what they found. They found that people who think they work a whole lot more than that overestimate because they don't keep track of it. They're so busy, they don't actually keep track of the time they work. And when they finally do, they realize they work less than they thought they did. But just for argument's sake, right? Just for argument's sake, I'm going to say... 50 hours, 50 hours of work. So that's going to wipe out all of this right here. That's assuming that you're not doing anything of value with that time, which I don't buy. Like you're doing some good things, right? You hope to be. So you've got 50 hours where you're working, and that work could be really good, helpful, fantastic. All right? So it's getting down there. Got something else. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You got to eat, right? This, I, I could not believe this. The average American only needs 37 minutes a day to eat all three meals. I was like, come on. I, I take 15 to 20 minutes to make my own breakfast every day. I was having a hard time buying that, except I come home and I don't do any prep for supper. I just eat what she gives me. And if she's not giving me anything, I'm doing what the rest of you do. I pull something out of the refrigerator and I microwave it and I eat. 
which is why it's 37 minutes. Apparently, so many people are heating stuff up with a microwave, they're not making meals anymore. So let's, let's get crazy and give you an hour a day, hoping that maybe you would actually talk to your family during that time. And there we have it. These are things that you have to do. Now, there'll be a list of other things that are on your plate. But I want you to understand that right now, there are 48 dice still left on this table. 48. And I don't care how you do it. If you were to come to me and say, Blair, it's not 48. I practice the Sabbath. Take away 24. I'm really... Now, wait. You already slept for part of the Sabbath. You already ate. You already did some of that. Even if you took 14 hours away to do a full Sabbath, there'd still be 34 dice left. And even then, the 14 hours that you used for a Sabbath, you were doing something that would benefit your life. In every case, when you go through this process, what you will find is a chunk of unallotted time. And the question that comes to mind is what are we doing with it? What, what are we doing with this amount of time? Now, um, maybe the one group that I get, I get why you would go, now wait, Blair, just a second. Um, I'm a mom with young kids. They steal every hour of my life. And here's what I can tell you. Uh, my wife and I, we had a few kids. We've, we've been through this. Here's a few things that I can give you insight on. Where you're at right now isn't permanent. It's temporary. But if you're not careful and you develop a mindset that says, I'm too busy to actually number my days, you could go a whole lifetime doing that. But your situation changes and what we found is we could go and do things with our kids. Sometimes those things were healthy, valuable for them to see and do with us so that they got that practice. But it's going to change. And, and if your thinking doesn't change with it, if you're not constantly reevaluating your day and your time, it could get away from you. And you could go for a long period of time where you think your life has been stolen and it's not. Now here's what I think happens. I think people who are genuinely have a lot of things going on in their lives, they say things like, I'm too busy. And what they mean is I'm too busy for friends. I really, I don't have time for them. I don't have time to connect with them. I don't have time to call them. I don't have time to spend with them. I don't have time for friends. And I'm looking at this and looking at the chunks in our lives, and I'm wondering why we're saying that. I hear, I don't have time because I'm busy. I, I'm too busy for family. I'm too busy to date my wife. I'm too busy to spend time with my kids. 
I'm too busy to call my parents or to go see my parents. I just don't have the time for family. I'm busy. I'm not sure that's true. I hear people say, I'm too busy to serve. God has given you gifts, strengths for the sake of other people. That he, he's thinking, man, you're going to use these in a dynamic way that helps change the world. That's why I gave it to you. And for many of us, we, we have this idea that I'm just too busy to do that sort of thing. I hear this. I'm too busy for God. I don't have time to be quiet with him. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time for God in my life. And the question I have is what are we spending this chunk of time on? Because I guarantee you, if you sit down and do this process, you will find some sort of chunk of time. I don't know, where's it going? Netflix, social media, sports? Listen, those aren't bad. Those aren't bad. I, um, I watch sports with my kids who aren't with me. They're texting me while it's all going on. Like we have this thing where we're in a chat together and we're talking about stuff. I value that time with them. I'm not giving that up. But I've, I've thought about it and it's not just going out the window. Maybe for you, the amount of time you spend on social media absolutely makes sense. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's not the wisest thing that you could be doing. But the, the question is, where is the time going that God is giving you? Because he's giving you 168 hours a week. And they're not being used up by everything that you think it's being used up by. There's space. There's space in your life for you to take on a challenge, to learn a language, to start a new habit that would elevate a character in your life that you value. There's space in your life to go and sit and talk with a friend. There's space in your life for your family. It's there. But if, if we're not careful, we will convince ourselves that we're too busy for great things and we'll spend it on good things. There's a lot of good things that you do. But sometimes making a priority is taking that really good thing and setting it aside for the sake of something better. But there has to be an evaluation. So my, my, my challenge to you is this. You've got today before a new year starts. Can you find some time just to sit quietly and ask, what do I want from this new year? What kind of person do I want to become? And don't talk yourself out of any of that stuff with this idea that you just don't have the time for it. Decide that you're going to sit down, wrestle your time to the ground, and manage it. Why? Because God has gifted you with something. And as long as it keeps coming week after week is a gift, 
You'll be responsible for how you use it. And there's a chunk of time that you could use to do some pretty bold things if you're willing. Are you? Let me pray for you. God, I, I want to start by saying thank you. The time that you give us is a gift from your hand. Uh, you know the number of our days. We don't. Uh, and some of us um, feel very much how just frail the time is. Like it's, it's flying. It's just going by. And as David prayed that he would be reminded of just how fragile this is, will you help us remember that too? That we're not just careless with this gift that you give us and just kind of blow it on worthless things but that we could have lives that have deep meaning, deep purpose, that could touch other lives, make an impact if we took this gift serious. God, we ask for wisdom as we look into the next year and we ask, what do we want to do? Who do we want to become? You give us the courage to to figure out what your will is for us so that we can step into that with courage. Mm. God, there's a new year ahead. We can hang the old ones on the wall. It's time to step into this new year. Get us excited about that, about all the possibilities. Make us opportunists like Paul was he saw this time as an opportunity for his life. It's ours too. Call us up. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.